Good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? I hope you are having a great weekend and that your Sunday is off to a good start. Thank you for joining me today on Sunday Morning with Love and Action. I am Ken Tuck, and I'm so thankful to have you join us on the Joy FM this morning as we dive into God's Word and continue a series on the Great Commission. If you've missed the first two parts of this series, you can always check it out on our Love in Action podcast, which you can find on Podbean. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can find the Love and Action Podcast, and I would encourage you to check it out. You can also listen to our podcast on our website at loveinactionministries.com, and just scroll to the bottom of the home screen, and our podcast is posted right there as well. Before we get into the Word of God today, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father God, we want to give you all praise, all honor, and all glory, and just praise you, Father God, for who you are. God, you are so awesome. You're so good to us. You're beyond good to us, Father God. There's just not words to describe how wonderful, how awesome, how amazing you truly are. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word on the radio and online and on the Joy FM app. God, however people are listening today, we thank you. We thank you for each one. We thank you that you know where each one of us are at. You know each situation in all of our lives. So, Father, I want to lift up everybody who's listening today and their families and ask you, Father God, to just continue to work in their lives, Lord, whatever their needs are. I pray, God, that each one of us will seek you first. Because, God, you tell us in Matthew chapter 6 that when we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, these things we have need of, you're going to take care of. So may we seek you first above all else and above anyone else. Father, we love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for rising again on the third day to give all who believe eternal life. And I pray for those who have not come to that decision yet. They haven't given their lives to you, Lord. I pray today is their day that they will say, God, I know I'm a sinner and I need your salvation. Jesus, I need you. Forgive me. I repent and I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. God, I pray that today will be their day to turn their lives completely over to you. And God, for those who are believers, I pray that today's message will continue to challenge each one of us to be a great commission Christian. Lord, that's what you call us to be. So I pray that we'll be obedient to your word. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to teach us, lead us, and guide us into all truths. And may we be doers of your word and not hearers only. Thank you again for this opportunity. Thank you for loving us. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. For the first two weeks of this series on the Great Commission, we have been in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And the reason why? Well, that's where the Great Commission is at. That's the main scripture that we go to for the Great Commission. But the Great Commission is also mentioned in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, and that's where we're going to go today. We're going to spend today in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. So let's go ahead and turn there. If you're able to open your Bible or open the Bible on your smartphone, let's go to Mark, chapter 16, starting in verse 15. And he said to them, he being Jesus, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. The one who has believed and has been baptized will be saved, but the one who has not believed will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. 
In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then, when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. As in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, the gospel of Mark records that Jesus tells us to go. Jesus wants us to go everywhere and preach the gospel. Mark says, preach to the whole creation. Matthew uses the phrase to all nations, which means people groups. These phrases are both universal and inclusive, so they basically mean the same thing. The command to preach is the imperative of this verse, meaning it's the direct command of Jesus. You remember, if you listened last week, we talked about the imperative, the direct command of Jesus in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, and that command is to make disciples. So here the command is to preach. So we can see from both of them, Jesus wants us to preach and to make disciples. It's our responsibility. Again, this is for all believers. It's not just for those who are so-called chosen, or it's not just for those who are pastors or evangelists. It's for all who are believers, all who are disciples of Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus. We must proclaim the gospel to others. It's as simple as that. Remember, we are to make disciples, not church members. We got to invite people to Jesus. And if you've never done that before, which chances are, as many people who are listening this morning, the statistic is 90% of Christians, professing Christians, have never shared their faith. So if you are among those 90%, let me encourage you to start sharing your faith. We've got to. We're commanded to. If we have truly experienced Jesus, there's no way that we can't tell others about Jesus and what he has done in our lives and how people can experience the same thing we have, the love, the mercy, the grace, the forgiveness, the salvation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we have to go out and preach. That's, that's the command here. Preach the gospel. And again, it's not just for pastors. It's not just for evangelists. It's for all believers. Now, we all don't have to get up in a pulpit and preach. Now, there is an office of pastor. There is an office of evangelist. But we can all, and we must all, share the gospel. And as we share the gospel, that's what we're doing. We're preaching. We're sharing the good news. That's what the word gospel means. The word says those who believe and are baptized will be saved. That's what we, we read right there in Mark, that those who have believed and are baptized will be saved. Now, the word believes here points to the acceptance of the gospel by faith. Baptism points to the outward testimony of one's conversion. So we, we need to understand while baptism is extremely important, it's not salvific, meaning that's not what saves us. Faith, our faith in Jesus Christ, the work that he accomplished on the cross and the fact that he rose from the grave, our faith in him and the work that he accomplished, that saves us. We must remember that baptism, while important, is not salvific. Remember the criminal on the cross next to Jesus, the one who recognized who Jesus was, and he said, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today, 
you will be with me in paradise. So that criminal was what we would call saved right there at that moment. He never was baptized, but Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And there's also around 150 passages in the New Testament stating that salvation is by faith alone. So no verse or even a few verses could contradict this overwhelming testimony of around 150 passages that state that our salvation is by faith alone. And another thing to notice in Mark here is that he writes that those who refuse to believe are condemned. That's what Jesus says. Those who refuse to believe are condemned. He didn't say those who refuse to be baptized. So baptism is not a condition of salvation, but an outward proclamation that the person has been saved. And baptism, it is important, though. I'm not playing down baptism. Baptism is extremely important, and it's just such a great honor and a thrill to baptize somebody. Because as we are baptized, again, we are outwardly proclaiming to people who see us being baptized that we are following Jesus. We are followers of Jesus. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. And it's symbolic of us dying to our sins with Christ as we're immersed into the water. And the word baptism from the Greek is baptismo, which means to immerse. So that's why we immerse. And that's what it's symbolic of, of dying to our sins with Christ, just as Christ died and was placed into the tomb. And then when we come up out of the water, that's symbolic of rising up to that new life that Jesus gives us just as he rose up from that tomb and gives us all everlasting life for all who believe. Again, John 3.16 tells us that those who believe shall not perish, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, there's that word, believes, shall not perish but have eternal life. Even in all of Paul's writings, he doesn't mention anything about baptism saving people. And Paul was very, very particular in what he wrote. And he was very direct in what he wrote. And he says, faith, faith alone saves us. So it's our faith in Jesus that saves us. If you can be baptized, then be baptized. If you're in a situation where you can't be like the criminal who was up on the cross, there was no way he could be baptized, then you're still saved. But if you're able to be baptized, be baptized. And again, that's part of the Great Commission we read about in Matthew 28. Is That's part of making disciples is to baptize people. And so we need to be baptizing people. And again, that's not just for pastors evangelists. That's for all believers. If we lead somebody to the Lord, then we can also baptize them. Then Jesus mentions five signs that will follow those who come to the Lord. He says they will drive out demons, speak in new tongues or languages, pick up snakes. If they drink anything deadly, it will not harm them and lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, let me stop right here and mention the fact that in the oldest copies that we have of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16 stops at verse 8. The transition between verse 8 and verse 9 is really rough. So most scholars believe that Mark did not write the rest of that chapter that was added afterwards. But it's still canonized because everything that's mentioned there happened. Even these signs, we can read the scriptures, we can read into the New Testament, into Acts, and see where these things happen, such as where it says, pick up snakes. We know that Paul was bitten by a viper, and it didn't harm him. 
So all of these things did happen with the apostles, with the early church, with all of the disciples of Jesus. And so that's why it was still canonized. So let's look at these signs here that Jesus mentions. Some Bible experts say that these signs were intended primarily for the apostolic age, meaning they were only for the apostles and the disciples of that time before the complete Bible was available in written form. What they mean by this is that they believe these signs and miracles that were performed by the apostles were done so to lead people to Jesus. I can't argue with that fact because they certainly did lead people to Jesus. However, I have one question for these experts. Do they ever leave their offices? (laughs) Because these signs, we read about them, especially in the book of Acts, and they're amazing to read. I encourage you to read the book of Acts. What an incredible, incredible book, and it will definitely excite you. But I've seen most of these signs happen with my own eyes. I've seen demons cast out in the name of Jesus. I've seen people speaking in other languages. I've seen people healed. Now, I haven't seen anybody bitten by a snake or that I know of drink poison and still be okay. But the thing is, these things still happen today. And let me clarify a couple of things here. Where he says, pick up snakes. This is not a command to pick up snakes. And in fact, if you walk into a church and they are handling snakes, my advice to you would be run as fast as you can out that door or make a door and run out of it. Because that's not what he's talking about here. That's not scriptural. This is also not a command to drink poison. He's not telling us to drink poison. What he's telling us is that his protection is with us. That even if these things like being bitten by a viper like Paul was, that will be okay because he's protecting us. If somebody tries to poison us, we're going to be okay because he's protecting us. So don't go out handling snakes and drinking poison, okay? That's just just crazy right there. But these signs still happen today because I've seen them with my own eyes. Let me share an example. Now, when it comes to casting out demons, for some reason, Americans just really don't want to talk about that. Other countries... Man, people will talk about it because it is seen often. I don't know what it is about Americans. Maybe we think we're too intellectual or we're just too freaked out about it or something. But this is real. People are possessed by demons. And let me share an example to you. The first time that I saw this happen, we were on a mission trip, a domestic mission trip to Los Angeles. And a group of us, I think there were about eight of us from the Wiregrass, went out to Los Angeles to the Los Angeles Dream Center. And we were out during, we had a break uh, during everything that was going on that week. And we went to this park that was close to Angeles Temple, which is the home church of the LA Dream Center. And we decided we would go around and hand out tracts and pray with people and tell them about Jesus. A good friend, a good brother named Justin and I paired up and we went and we started handing out tracts and we came across some Hispanic gentlemen. There was two of them and neither one of them could speak English. Now, Justin and I could not and cannot speak Spanish, so there was a communication problem there, right? So we handed them tracts, gospel tracts, and basically, I think we basically said, Jesus Cristo, and pointed to heaven, pointed up. And one of the gentlemen got up, and he followed us, and he was trying to tell us something. Now, we could tell he was, he was drunk. He had definitely been drinking. And he was trying to communicate to us, but we had no clue what he was saying. 
Then all of a sudden this person comes around and she could speak Spanish and she could speak English. So she started translating for us. Now, she was a delivery person uh, back, you remember, beepers. <laughs> we all used to carry beepers on us. Somebody needed us, they would beep us. And so she was a delivery person. She had just delivered some food or, or whatever. Actually, I think it was office supplies. And she was translating for us. And this guy was telling us about where he was from. He was from El Salvador. And he was telling us, of course, he'd been drinking and he just he didn't know what to do. He was homeless. Basically, he was scared. And so we started, through the translator, telling him about Jesus, telling him about the freedom Jesus can give him, about the salvation, the forgiveness, the new life that Jesus can give him. And he was saying, yes, I, I want this. I want Jesus. So I started leading him in a prayer through the translator, asking Jesus to forgive him of his sins and uh, to help him to overcome the alcohol addiction. And when I got to the part where I was leading him to pray, Jesus, I believe you're my Lord and Savior coming to my life, he could not say it. He was trying, but he could not say it. Then all of a sudden, he fell down on the ground, and he started trembling, started shaking in a very unusual way. Now, I'd never seen this before, but because the Holy Spirit had to be only the Holy Spirit, Justin and I knew what was happening, that this man was possessed. So I was, I'm not as, wasn't as big as I am today, but I was still a pretty big boy. And so I just kind of laid down on his back with my forearm to try to steal him. And, and we just started resisting the devil in the name of Jesus Christ and commanding those demons of alcoholism to come out of him in the name of Jesus. As we prayed in the name of Jesus to cast those demons out, all of a sudden I told Justin, Justin was standing kind of at his head. I said, Justin, move now. I had no reason why I was saying that, but I said that. And as soon as Justin moved, this guy just spit up. And it was just, I won't gross you out in case you're eating breakfast this morning, but it was just nasty. <laughs> and then he was still, and it was got really peaceful. And the gentleman stood up. We helped him stand back up. And his whole complexion had changed. And he, he just had peace was just all over him. And he had tears streaming down his face. And we asked him through the translator, do you know what just happened to you? He said, yes, Jesus set me free. <laughs> Praise God. And then another miracle happened. We were getting ready to finish our prayer with him for him to give his life to Jesus. And that lady's, our translator, her beeper went off and she had to go. You know, she was working. She had to go and she apologized and she left. And Justin and I were thinking, what are we going to do now? Well, God sent somebody else, somebody who was watching everything going on. And that person came up and said, I've been watching. I see what was going on. I see what God's done. Praise God. That person was a believer. And let me help you however I can help you. So I explained to him, look, we're praying with him to give his life to Jesus. And he translated and the man gave his life to Jesus. And he was so happy, so ecstatic, so joyful. He wasn't even drunk anymore. He was just full of joy, full of Jesus. And we started telling him about the Dream Center where he could go and get help and help come off the streets. And right at that moment, a bus from the Dream Center pulled up. We took him over there and explained to the people from the Dream Center what happened. They welcomed him on the bus and welcomed him to the Dream Center. Now, that's the last we saw of him was he was on his way to get the help that he needed and to come off the streets. But that's an example of signs following those who are out and about doing the Great Commission. Look what happened. 
a demon was cast out of that man in the name of Jesus. And you can believe in, in that or not, but I'm telling you, it is the truth. That happened in the name of Jesus. The man got saved. God sent two translators to help us in this situation. Now, that's only God. Only God can do that. Then he also sent that bus from the Dream Center by at the exact time that he needed it. So miracles, signs, and wonders still happen today. That's why I asked these scholars, do you get out of your office? Because God is still in the miracle working business today. I have laid hands on people and prayed in the name of Jesus for them to be healed. And others, I know many others who have as well, and people have been healed. So it's not just for the apostles. Jesus didn't give a timeline about when miracles would run out. It's not like he says, I only got this many miracles to do, and once we hit that number, I'm done. I don't have any more miracles. No, Jesus worked miracles then, and he still works miracles today. Jesus said, for those who believe. Now, nowhere in the New Testament do we read that miracles have ceased. In fact, we read in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, that Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. He doesn't change. If he healed back then, then he still does now. And he did heal back then, and he still heals now. So these signs, these wonders still occur, still happen. So don't let anybody try to tell you that they don't, because they do. And when you're out doing the work of God, living out the Great Commission, you are going to see things that just blows your mind. And that's just one example that I shared with you, because that was the first time I'd ever seen it happen. And I definitely have seen, seen that happen more than once, <laughs> and, and including here in Dothan. There is a real enemy out there, but in the name of Jesus, we can help others overcome the enemy. And it's clear too, that these signs happen in the name of Jesus, because that's where the power comes from. And it's only in the name of Jesus. If we try to do it in our own power, we're going to lose every single time. But it's in the name of Jesus that these signs, these miracles happen. And I love Mark 16, 20. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. Jesus worked with them. That is so awesome. How did he work with them? Because he had already ascended to heaven through the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, that he is with us to the end of the age. How does he stay with us? Because, like he said, he would send the Holy Spirit. So we're not in this alone. We don't do this by ourselves. Jesus is with us. And the simple fact, y'all, is we are entrusted with the Great Commission. Jesus, through all the authority in heaven and on earth that has been given to him, has commissioned us to go preach and make disciples. Our mission is to reach everyone with the gospel. In my lifetime, we've seen a tremendous growth in population. There's nearly 8 billion people living today. They project by 2050, there'll be 10 billion people. So we have a lot of work to do. And when we think about only 10% of professing Christians are sharing their faith, well, 10%, we can't do it alone. We need more than 10%. We need the body of Christ to step up and to do what Jesus has called us to do. And it's the same method now as it was when Jesus first gave this command. We must be devoted disciples to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We must be more devoted to him than anyone else or anything else. And we must count no sacrifice as too great for him. God's will, his will is world evangelism, and disciple-making. 
That's so clear in Scripture. So the question is, you got to ask yourself, how am I responding to his call to go preach the gospel to everyone and make disciples who can make disciples? Time is short. We must flee from this casual Christianity. We need to repent about casual Christianity. Why is 85% of all the unreached people in the world, that's 3.23 billion unreached people in the world, 85% of them live in the 1040 window. That's North Africa, Middle East, Asia. Why? Because it's hard. It's dangerous. It's uncomfortable. Who's willing to go? Apparently not many because only about 15% of all mission work is done here. The rest of it is done elsewhere in reached areas. Not that there's still people we need to reach in those areas, but these are people, 85% of all unreached people, who have never heard the gospel, and they're dying, and they're going to an eternal hell. And that should concern us. That should make us want to fulfill the Great Commission here at home and elsewhere. I'm thankful that God has connected love and action with indigenous pastors in six of these countries in the 1040 window, and they do incredible work under extreme conditions. But we come alongside them, and we help them reach the unreached. We also teach discipleship and provide discipleship material for our brothers and sisters in those countries. We go to these countries to help them and also bring encouragement. It brings them great encouragement when we go and make this long trip to visit them and to help them any way we can. And also, being from America provides a platform because these people in these countries, they've heard of America. They've never seen an American. So it gives us a great platform. And it also provides a big target, too, for those who don't like Christians and those who don't like American Christians especially. But it's okay. It's worth it to spread the gospel among people who have never heard of Jesus. It's worth having that target because they need to know. They need to know about Jesus because we should be concerned about anyone who are dying and going to hell, no matter if, they're, if it's here at home or if it's all the way on the other side of the world. It should bother us to know that people are dying and going to hell without hearing the gospel. We need to go. We need to help people go. Now, those who do go, don't call us special Christians or super Christians because people do that. And I, I can't stand that term, super Christians, because there's no such thing as a super Christian. Because the simple fact is we're either following Jesus or we aren't. And it's not about some special anointing to go and live out this great commission. Again, it's about being a follower of Jesus. Either we are or we aren't. If we are, then we have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And he makes us able and gives us power and gives us boldness to share the gospel, even unto death. Acts 1.8 tells us that. You don't need the Holy Spirit to sit at home and to be comfortable and take it easy. You can do that all by yourself. It doesn't take any power from on high to do that. But as a follower of Jesus, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You have been called to be a Great Commission Christian. He's called all of us who are believers to be Great Commission Christians. The thing is, are we? Are we doing it? And if we aren't, we need to repent, ask God to forgive us, and ask Him to help us to be obedient to His Word. And if we'll do that, He will certainly do His part. We must be about our Father's work. It's not salvation by works. Nothing like that. But he commands us to do this. And if we, again, if we have experienced Jesus, then we want to tell others about him. It's the greatest news ever. 
there will never be any news greater than Jesus Christ. And we must be about telling people about him. So let's go out this week. I encourage you, go out this week and tell at least one person about Jesus. Talk to him about what he's done in your life. Share your testimony. Talk to him about how he died and rose again. Share Jesus with one person this week. I encourage you to do that and see what happens. You may not see that person come to the Lord, but you know what? You have planted a seed, and that seed's going to grow because God's going to send somebody else to water it. You may see that person come to the Lord, and praise God if you do. But I encourage you, go out and tell somebody about Jesus this week. Well, I thank you for joining me today. I hope you have a great rest of the day. I hope you have a wonderful week coming up. And remember, tell somebody about Jesus. And remember, Jesus loves you. I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.